0: This is histories and mysteries. I'm Ashley. I'm Jessica, and I'm Michelle.
1: And on this week's episode, Ashley is going to be talking about the disappearance of Shannon Siders. Yeah, and sorry, not yet of the disappearance. But I got <laughs> the name right. <laughs> um, and I'm going to be talking about Lemp Mansion in St. Louis, Missouri my sister recommended it so here we
2: are <laughs> i'm really excited for that one i love a good haunted mansion story. yeah yeah tr- uh, like content warning i guess or trigger warning there's
1: a lot of death so oh. okay uh, i
2: feel like that's to be expected in a haunted
0: <laughs> mate look at oliver yeah. hi, hi. hi buddy these <laughs> are so we have a little guest here hanging out my son <laughs> oliver He's mm. going to be really helpful and make tons of noises. So perfect. <laughs> um, yeah, so I'm pretty excited about this story. I kind of stumbled upon it because mm. it was a rainy day here in Arizona and we never get rainy days. So I just had like the window open, listening to the rain, curled up. It was still hot, hot as shit <laughs> out, but I was <laughs> curled up and um, I was watching true crime documentaries because that's what you do. Yeah. And I came across this story on, um, please tell me I wrote down the, oh man, I didn't write down the the documentary. It was a cold case, cold case. Nice. Yeah. So it was really good. So, and it takes place in New Michigan, which is only about 40 minutes outside of Grand Rapids where I'm from. Nice. Yeah. So let's get into her. (laughs) All right. So on July seventeenth, nineteen eighty nine, in Newego, Michigan, single parent Bob Siders left for work for his night shift. Um, so they lived in Newego. Like I said, it was about forty minutes outside of Grand Rapids, and he worked in Grand Rapids. So his eighteen-year-old daughter Shannon, who still lived with him, she was in high school still, um, her senior year. She said goodbye to him like every other night. But when Bob returned home from his shift at 8.30 a.m., Shannon was gone, which was unusual for her. She was not, like, the kind of kid that was out all night or anything like that.
2: Hmm.
0: So Bob started calling Shannon's friends to see if she was with them, started calling around to other parents that he knew to see if, you know, they had heard anything. And he actually started walking around the neighborhood just yelling her name. But there was Aww. nothing. Yeah.
2: Aww, that's really sad. So sad. Yeah.
0: This is a really sad story. Like I said earlier, I was excited to get into it um, because it's people got justice in the end. So that's good, but it's very sad. Um, But so after this, he went to the local police to report a missing person. Um, And Bob described Shannon as a quizzical child. Um, He said that, you know, she was kind and fun loving. And when him and his wife had her, Um, You know, they were together. But then one day his wife just decided she didn't want to be married anymore. So they divorced and Bob got custody of Shannon and raised her by himself until the day she went missing.
1: So did her mom just like not want to be married or be a mother? Because it's really hard for a mom to lose custody. Yeah,
0: That's what I was thinking, too. And I or yeah, that it's really hard for mom to lose custody. And I was thinking that, too, but they don't really discuss it much in the documentary weird so I don't know if you like you said she just didn't want to be a mom anymore either or if you know there was other things going on I'm not really sure but um and she's never she's they don't talk about her in the documentary at all she's not in the documentary so weird. no idea yeah So um, poor Bob had flyers made. He posted them all over. He sent them to every police department in the state. And he went door to door asking if people had seen her. Um, The police said that they had several people come into their office and say that they saw Shannon, like here or there. And they were always absolutely positive that it was her. One tip in a nearby town said that there was a Shannon hiding from her father in a drug house um, and so they went to check out this drug house and there was a Shannon there, but it wasn't our Shannon. Oh, no. Yeah. Um, so at the time, uh, this was back again in 1989. There was a local 15 year old working at the sheriff's department because, you know, in the 80s, anything <laughs> goes. Um, and she received a phone call. This is bone chilling, guys. She received a phone call at the station from a man who sounded excited on the phone. She said that he was like practically yelling. And he said, I just killed Shannon Siders and then hung up. Yeah. And the poor girl obviously started crying. She's 15 and gets a phone call like this.
1: Oh, that's horrible.
0: I know. Um, They tried to chase down anything they could from the phone call. But again, it was the 80s. So, you know, there wasn't much they could do with that um but at you know like right before the phone call they still just thought that shannon was missing but this phone call made them fear the worst oh the worst (laughs) then one morning two boys were walking in the woods um and found two cards in the grass like like uh id cards or like credit card type cards um and they were both shannon's Mm. um a michigan not a good sign yeah a Michigan State trooper went out to that location later and found a pair of jeans as well. Oh, no. Yeah. Um, this area that they found this stuff was apparently called the Hole in the Woods, and it was a pretty big party spot for kids uh, and like generations of kids, because Bob even said that like when he was a kid, him and his friends would go party at this hole in the woods.
1: And how old was Shannon?
0: 18. Okay. Um, so Bob decided, uh, to go look in that area because, you know, he, he knew the area pretty well from partying there as a teen looking for his daughter's body, which just is awful. Like, could you ever imagine? No, I can't. This poor man, when they interview him, like he obviously tears up a lot throughout this documentary and it's so sad. Like, I just
1: watched one of the worst movies I think I've ever seen. It's what was called it? Blood Red Sky. I've
0: never it was
1: a German movie. Oh, geez. And it was horrible. It did not take the turn we thought it was going to take. <laughs> mm-hmm. oh, it no. went like way off the deep end. Oh, no. But in this weird ass movie, it was like a mother daughter relationship and like they just like clearly loved each other and this mother did like whatever she could for her son and i was just like my child's like upstairs sleeping i'm like i just want to go snuggle
0: her (laughs) i know
1: (laughs) like i could never imagine i know i
0: know and i can't imagine like going somewhere looking and like expecting to find your your child's body Yeah. yeah and he said this was an interesting thing that like i thought was interesting that they included it in the documentary and that you know he said it and it also just like gutted me but um he said that he believes that some people can speak to the dead but he determined that he couldn't because when he was there looking she didn't say dad i'm over here oh i know that's <laughs> horrible oh god it broke my heart <sighs> So, flash forward almost three months later to October 15th, 1989, in the Manistee National Forest, where that same area where Shannon's stuff had been found. A local hunter was out hunting, and hunting's a big deal in Michigan. So, our first day, our opening day of deer hunting season is November 15th, which is mm-hmm. coincidentally my birthday. Okay. Oh, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> And they, like, I had teachers that would take that whole week off to go deer hunting and stuff. Oh, jeez. So it was pretty nice for me because I always had, like, a sub on my birthday. And, you know, like, a sub means you're not doing much work. So Um, so this local hunter was out, you know, hunting. And he came across a body. And he immediately went to the police. And it was Shannon. Yeah. Shannon's body showed that the cause of her death was blunt force trauma to the head and she had several like blunt force wounds all over her body and they also believed that she had been raped due to the position of which her body was found and on further inspection they also found some genital mutilation. No. Mm. That poor girl. So here's another little tidbit that's going to gut you. So her dad said that he never viewed her body. He didn't want to see her like that. Um, and he said he had a really hard time picking pallbearers because he felt that whoever had killed her knew her. And he didn't want her murderer carrying her <sighs> to her final oh, resting place. Oh, no. Yeah. Um, I, so I imagine said,
1: having that thought, though. Like, I know. have
0: to think that way. I know. I know. Oh. Um, so he said he picked, like, mostly cousins and stuff like that.
1: Yeah.
0: um they said for her funeral her whole high school basically showed up um and they asked the dad they're like hey can we write her letters and like put it in her casket with her and he said that was fine so they did that um and you know it was a nice funeral and everything well at this point they didn't really have much else to go on so the original investigators asked the Michigan State Police behavioral analysis team to create a profile. Ooh, hey,
1: hey, hey. I just did a TikTok on the FBI.
0: I saw that.
2: Mm-hmm. I
1: saw you liked it too. I did. I meant to like
0: it from my account. I accidentally liked it from our account. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> so we liked our own video. Oh, that's really lame. Oh,
1: no. Hey, I did my first reply video. It was fun.
0: Ooh. Ah. Cool. Very cool. Yeah. So I have written in here, especially because I thought we could all take a little break from the the sadness. But Jessica, you kind of just did that for us. But (laughs) I do have written in here. So let's all take a moment and picture Matthew Gray Gubler, a.k.a. Spencer <gasps> Reed from Criminal oh, I Minds. I love him. I have gotten Kyle into Criminal Minds and every time
1: Spencer comes on the screen, I'm just like, oh, I love him.
0: Oh, my gosh. I love him so much.
1: Oh, I have narration. no idea who you're talking about.
0: Look okay. him up. Do you ever watch Criminal Minds? No, I've never watched Criminal Minds. Oh, you would like it. And I watch think it. as a human, Rochelle, you would Cause? really like Matthew Gray Goobler because he's a yeah. little like he's a little eccentric and he's a little like spooky. Like he freaking loves Halloween. He like year round. Like he's just a little yeah. The I
2: giant know that guy. Okay, yeah, I know who that is. He's I don't so know. Cute. I've never seen him in anything. But I,
0: he's only in Criminal, Criminal Minds, Minds. <laughs> and then he was in um. Dollface, which I don't even know if they're doing another season. There's one season of it, it was really good. Yeah, Yeah. see, he's like a goober. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) With a (laughs) ferret. Oh, goodness. All right. So
1: (sighs) back to sadness. Yes. So the
0: behavioral behavioral analysis team made um, this profile, which I don't really think was very good, but. Um, okay, Is this is what they came up with. The killers from her peer group, there's probably more than one. Alcohol and drugs were probably a factor. It was sexually motivated and she was probably killed by someone she knew.
1: Okay. A so, lot, obviously.
0: A lot, of, a lot to go <laughs> off of there, right? <laughs> her,
1: her father also made half of those assumptions. Right,
0: like. exactly. So, but again, this was the 80s, so it was kind of like you know the behavioral analysis aspect of things were kind of still new-ish um so they also noticed her dad mainly noticed that there was a class her class ring was missing um it wasn't on her body it wasn't in their house and it was something that she always wore so was something that the killer must have taken
1: it sounds really familiar does it yeah I don't know if I've heard it before, but it sounds very familiar.
0: Okay. Well, let me know at the end if you've heard it. Okay. (laughs) So they then called in an entomologist to determine how long Shannon had been dead. Um, And they were able to determine that she died somewhere between the end of July and the beginning of August based on the bugs. And in here I wrote, ew.
1: (laughs) And they found her in November, right?
0: uh they found her in october but she went missing in july is it weird that like i kind of want to
2: donate my body to a body farm
0: no because i'd be dope or
2: some sort of science experiment (laughs)
0: just anything just do a science experiment on you (laughs) i know i feel like it's such a waste like bodies yeah i want to donate mine to like like anybody that needs anything like they can have anything i don't care take my eye yeah, my eyes same. aren't great but if you want them go ahead
2: yeah.
0: um, <laughs> anything like that but yeah you know. yeah but go no, out i don't there think and be an
2: organ donor folks it's good. yeah
0: donate your organs <clears throat> you're not gonna need them anymore exactly <laughs> um okay so because of this timeline they were able to figure out that there was eight people who had last seen shannon alive and these eight people were the Eight kids hanging out at the hole in the woods um, the night that she went missing, but none of them came forward to talk. So they interviewed each kid, had them take polygraph tests. Um, and because of this like interview with them, they were able to create somewhat of a timeline. So this is what they got from their interviews. Uh Shannon's dad, Bob, uh, again, worked the night shift in Grand Rapids. Whoop, whoop, and he left the house about 10:30 p.m. After that, Shannon left the house to meet up with some friends. They were all partying at the hole in the woods. And one of Shannon's good friends who they interviewed um, said that they were the kids she met up with were like the party group, but they weren't like Shannon's good friends. But she like went to go party with them. Um, the eight people took three cars to get there. They were all kind of like drinking and smoking and riding around on the trails. Uh, New Way goes a little bit further out there. So it is a little bit more like country. tree. And later that evening, Shannon asked to be taken home. Uh, she'd been riding around with two kids named Brandon and Levi.
1: Um, what? what? Oh, my gosh. What's the word? What bad boy names?
2: <laughs> <laughs> Sorry.
1: That meant to be a quicker reaction. My brain had a stroke.
0: <laughs> what? <So>. what? What? <laughs> I like the name Levi. That's a good name. Do you? I like the name Brandon. Except I, I don't. Except I dated a Brandon once in- and... <laughs> <laughs> um, unless he listens to this which I'm 197% sure he does not <laughs> sorry Brandon yeah sorry anyone named Brandon <laughs> just in case. Just, yeah, in case just in case just in case and so Shannon's friends also said that she didn't like being alone with Brandon and that he kind of gave her the creeps come on Brandon uh, yeah And it was kind of known around town that Brandon was not a good kid. He did not think highly of women. And he, a lot of times just called them like sluts and whores and stuff like that. Not cool, buddy. Not cool. Not cool. Especially like, again, especially in the 80s. Like that was a big, like, you didn't swear. You know what I mean? Like that was a big deal. I mean, you did swear, but like things are obviously a lot more loose nowadays. (laughs) So that was like a big deal. <laughs> like
2: the eighties, not the fifties, actually.
0: <laughs> you <are> lookers. <laughs> oh no, a, uh, mother of pearl. Um. Uh, yeah, I guess you're right, <laughs> Rochelle. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So either way, he's still a jerk. Um. <laughs> Uh, also, apparently, Brandon had left town after Shannon went missing.
2: So well, that's not suspicious, right? At that's <laughs> a
1: big red flag. <laughs> yeah, not giving Brandon's a good name, Brandon.
2: <laughs> exactly. Yeah, geez, again, I apologize to Brandon's listening. I'm sorry that this is your namesake. <laughs> like,
0: sorry, sorry, this is happening to you uh so yeah brandon looked pretty good for this right so they brought him in and um he said the same thing they were riding around on the trail shannon wanted to go home um when she was getting able like when they got around other people she was able to get into a different car she did and then he didn't see shannon after that but why had he left town because he's suspicious well he went to Colorado to pick up his cousin and came back. He was literally only gone for a day or two. Ugh. Yeah. So what car did she get into then? Um, at this point, the police, I guess, believed Brandon. Um, they everything he said checked out. So they kind of moved on from him. Um, so then what car did she get into? Well, don't you worry. I'm going to tell you guys. Okay. <laughs> She, <laughs> she got into two kids named Paul and Matt Jones's car. They were brothers, Paul and Matt. I have and heard this. You have? I don't remember how it ends, but I've heard it. Okay. Well, okay. fun fact, my dad's best friend growing up was named Matt Jones. Ooh. I don't know why that's a fun fact, but I thought I'd put that in there. <gasps> was it the same dude? It was not, thankfully.
1: Okay. That's good. Um. <laughs> Sorry, so, Matt Jones.
0: Yes. <laughs> so Paul and Matt decided, said that the plan was to go back to Shannon's and watch the movies and drink some more beer. Um, but Paul and Matt claimed that once they got back there, Shannon said she was tired and didn't want to. I'm guessing she said that kind of stuff to get them to bring her home and then was like, oh, I'm so tired. You know what I mean? Yes, I have played around. that card. Yep. Many a time. 100%. So Many a time. Paul and Matt claimed that they dropped Shannon off between 2 and 3 a.m. And they did have quite a bit of detail about her house because they were talking about how, like, the TV and the porch light was on and they could see her dog running back and forth. Um, They also passed the polygraph test. So that was kind of another dead end. So everyone in the whole group was looked at and nothing came from any of it. And the case went cold. They couldn't get DNA off of her. Um, I don't think DNA was a thing back then, was it? I
2: feel Let's like in '89 it had to be, sort of a thing. When did
1: DNA analysis become a part of evidence? Cool, thanks, Google. Uh, started in the 1980s. There okay. we go. Would
2: have been the beginning. So. Yeah, yeah.
1: So they wouldn't have been. Um, a lot of stuff. It started in 1986. DNA. Yeah, it was first used in a police forensic test in
0: 1986. Okay. Yeah. So. so, so those three are. years. Yeah, they probably yeah. weren't into that yet. Yeah. Especially for a small town like Nuego. Yeah. Um. So the case went cold, but her dad. Um. He rented a billboard. Um, just saying, like, who killed Shannon Siders? And then he got like 45 to 50 businesses to put on their billboards who killed Shannon. Oh, Siders. I know this story now. Oh, you do? Yes, I do. Okay. So, unfortunately, nothing came of it. Um, they definitely were trying to keep her case in the front of people's minds, but nothing ever came of it. Mm-hmm. So on August of 2011, 22 years after her murder, there was a new police chief in town. Okay. So originally I thought they said sheriff. So I wrote there was a new sheriff in town. Pew, pew. <laughs> and then I realized <laughs> that it said chief. So I went back and changed it to new chief in town, but I left the pew pew in. So there's a new Aww. chief in town. Pew pew. <laughs> <laughs> um, he said he took the position in Nuevo specifically because of this case. Um, so once there, he put together a cold case task force, which apparently they didn't have one before. Again, Nuevo a very small town. Yeah. Yeah. So what oh, of- was a different billboard one I was thinking of? Okay. There is a billboard one that that there was like a movie that got really big off of. That might be the one you're thinking of. Maybe, maybe, I don't know. Gotcha. um so this new task force they actually asked one of the detectives that they um interviewed in this um, documentary and he said that he specifically became a detective because of this case as well so oh. there's a lot of people like really wanting to solve this case that's amazing yeah so the new task force started to look into who shannon was so you know, back in the 80s, it was more looking at like, you know, what happened to the victim. And now they kind of look at who she was. So let's look at her friends. Let's look at her family. Let's learn who she is. And hopefully she can tell us who her killer is. So they talked to her family. They talked to her friends. They talked to her acquaintances. And the class ring came back up because it was well known that she always wore it on her right hand, but it was missing. So. The chief said, "Find the ring, find the murderer," and it made me think of Lord of the Rings. But anyway, (laughs) (laughs) so first they wanted to make sure that her ring wasn't in the woods where her body was found, like maybe it fell off or you know something like that. So, fun fact: the police chief of Nuevo was uh, into metal detecting, so he had his own metal detector that he brought out there. And um, looked all around with it. He said he found a ton of bullets, but no rain.
1: That's awesome that he's like so invested. In yeah. It.
0: Love it. Yeah. Now, wait for this next character. Oh, my gosh. Okay. okay. <laughs> so. Ready. Do- <laughs> so do you remember the 15-year-old girl that answered the phone? Yes. So her name is Amy Bonner. And. She is now obviously all grown up and she could not her whole life stop thinking about the case. So she decided, screw it. I'm going to go solve the case.
1: Yes, I have heard this story. Okay.
0: Okay okay, <laughs> okay. 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 Yeah. So Bob, the dad, said that Amy had become a detective, but she wasn't even a detective. So she was kind of like, Just doing this on her own in her own time, she started talking to anyone and everyone. Um, Even said that she would sometimes talk to up to ten people a day about this case. Um, And because of her bringing this back up and you know rolling over all these stones, it brought the case back into the public eye. So everybody was talking about it again. And because everybody was talking about it again, the new chief of police was like, "Hey." You know where people will say things that they won't say in real life? The internet. So he started a Facebook page for this case. Um, so he said that a lot of people thought that Amy had made the Facebook page. And he's like, oh, that's totally fine with me. But later he got a message from Amy. And that's actually how Amy and the chief of police met. And he said He goes, I told her to give me everything she had unfiltered and not to expect anything in return, which sounds harsh, but it makes sense, right? Like he can't share with her police investigation stuff. Um, So because of this Facebook page and because people thought that it was Amy that made it, a girl named Stephanie messaged her and said that her family may have been involved in Shannon's murder. So this family was the Hammond family and they had a whole horrible reputation. They were known for abuse, incest, and just, like, all-around crazy shit. Gross. Yeah. So, Stephanie tells Amy that they have a house on a lake with a creek running underneath it, and Shannon was taken there taken there after being drugged and raped by several people. Stephanie said that they kept her there for a few days and then took her by van to the woods where they ran her over. Hmm. So, Amy, being a fucking badass, asked Stephanie to bring her to this house. She's like, Bring me to this house. And Stephanie did. Um, There was a creek running under the house. So, Stephanie, or so Amy was like, Okay, well, Stephanie's telling the truth here. Um, If the house is real, the story is probably real, which, like, meh, but we'll go with it for now. Um, So, once there, Amy immediately called the chief of police and he came out. They knocked on the door. The homeowners were members of the Hammond family, and several of them were convicted of serious assaults, attempted murder, you know, the usual. So they were like a little weary about letting them in the house, but they finally did. Um, They headed to the basement. Uh, Where it was said that Shannon was raped and held for days. But upon entrance, the detectives found out that the house didn't even have a basement. It never had a basement. And there was no evidence that the Hammond family had any involvement with Shannon. What? Yeah. So. Trusting would you
2: be,
1: though, like Amy, right? Because she went out to that house. Yeah. With like this very unreputable family. Yeah.
0: Yeah, she's such a fucking badass. Like, that's so terrifying. Yeah. So at this point, there was one thing left that the police wanted to do that they hadn't yet. They wanted to read those letters that were placed in her casket because there were rumors that someone had left a confession letter in there. Mm-hmm. So with Bob's mm-hmm. permission, they dug up Shannon's body and retrieved the letters. But... There was no confession letter, just goodbyes from friends. But wait, they noticed that Shannon had some hair in her right hand. (gasps) So they (laughs) submitted it to get a DNA test because this was now 2011, Rochelle, and they had DNA testing. Yay. So could this be the answer? Did Shannon fight back and grab a handful of her killer's hair? Nope, the hair belonged to Shannon.
2: Uh, So.
0: That's frustrating. I know. I know these poor family and detectives and everything. Um, So the police said that they interviewed about 400 people in this new investigation. And one person was Julia Littich, who was a close friend of Shannon's. She had been interviewed by the original detectives, but her interview wasn't in the original file. So they decided to go talk to her again. She said that around 11:45 p.m. the night of Shannon's murder, she went over to Shannon's house. She got out of work at 10 and was supposed to meet up with Shannon after, but Shannon didn't answer the door. So, this is weird. I don't This is weird. She said that because Shannon didn't answer the door, she went back over she kept going back over to her house about every half hour or so knocking on the door, which that seems like a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Like but go
1: inside, breaking the door down.
0: Yeah, or like, why are you going over there so much? Yeah, <laughs> like you're 18. I'm sure she didn't think something bad happened. You don't think anything bad's gonna happen when you're 18, right? But like, she's like, just kept going over there. But anyway, she did it. Weird. Um, and at one point, she did go into the house. She went up to Shannon's room, but she wasn't there. Um, and the last time she headed over to Shannon's house was about 2:45 a.m. But remember. Paul and Matt Jones had said they dropped her off around 12 or 1. So she would have been home when Shannon went over there. Mm -hmm. So bring in Lindsay. She was one of Shannon's friends that was dating Paul Jones at the time. She said one day she was driving around with Paul and noticed a female class ring in his ashtray. Mm-hmm. she got mad at paul because you know she didn't know and she was like how could you be asking me on a date when you have another girl's class ring in here mm-hmm. and paul said let's face it she's probably dead Uh-oh. Uh-oh. yeah so could the boys have talked shannon into possibly going to another party spot only to have it be like just them could they have made sexual advances towards Shannon, which she rejected and then made them angry? That's what the police thought, but they needed evidence. So meanwhile, Amy was out there still talking to everyone that she could. Several people had told her to talk to a woman named Jenny Corrigan. Well, Jenny was actually a really good friend of Amy's. So Amy called her up. It was like, what the hell, Jenny? You're my friend. And you know, I've been working on this case. Like, what do you know? And so... Janet Jenny started crying and said, I know how Shannon was killed.
2: Oh, yes,
0: done, done! Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> Jenny started telling Amy what she had seen, and Amy called the police immediately.
1: Jenny. Jenny. Jenny.
0: Jenny. <laughs> Told the police that she was scared to come forward because she was scared of retaliation, but that they needed to talk to Dean Robinson. So they pulled them both in, Dean and Jenny, um, and they told them exactly what had happened the night Shannon went missing. So... Jenny hadn't been with Shannon and those eight other kids, but she was driving around with Dean and they came up to a car that was parked. And so Dean got out to talk to the driver like he must have recognized and was like, oh, hey, I know him. And Jenny stayed in the car. Uh, Jenny heard the driver say that it was the Joneses and that they were looking for a girl. So police believe that at some point Shannon had gotten away and she was running and that the boys at this point were hunting her. Uh-oh. <sighs> yeah that's
2: horrifying
0: um because the police believe that after that the brothers did caught up to shannon and then they beat the crap out of her and raped her (laughs) Horrible. later dean and jenny came back through and saw the two brothers outside of the car with a girl lying unconscious on the ground oh so dean got out and and ran up to help because he's like oh my god like they need help. There's this girl lying on the ground. Um, and apparently he had like, tr- he tripped and fell and was like laying like face to face and saw that it was Shannon Siders. Oh, no. Paul came over and kicked him in the face. Mm. And Matt Jones came around the back of the car with a hammer. Like <sighs> they were going to kill Dean. Um, And Jenny started honking the horn over and over. And then once Matt realized that someone else was in the car, both Matt and um, Paul took off. Damn. There were also witnesses that say years later, Paul was talking about it and said the bitch got what she deserved. Mm. Another time, Matt grabbed a woman by the throat at a bachelor party and said he would put her in the ground like he did the bitch up north. Oh my goodness. So finally, In June of 2014, nearly 25 years after Shannon went missing, both brothers were taken into custody and brought before court. Good. And I tried to find more information on the trial and I couldn't find much because this just doesn't seem like a lot of evidence. You know, it's all eyewitness. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But Matt Jones was convicted of first degree murder and sentenced to life without parole and paul jones was convicted of second degree murder and sentenced to 30 to 75 years in prison and i also wanted to know why paul got a lesser sentence than matt but I, like i said i couldn't find anything but weird and that is the story of a badass woman named amy a badass dad named bob and the disappearance of shannon wow. that's, that's crazy
2: insane. like
0: Isn't i'm crazy? so
1: like obviously it's horrible what happened to her right but just imagine think like the justice imagine knowing how you think you've gotten away with it
2: mm-hmm.
1: and then over 20 years later it bites you in the ass and yes. you finally <laughs> get what you deserve yes mm-hmm. like how amazing Sweet sweet justice yes I love when stuff like that happens because it doesn't happen too often right
0: yeah the bad guys don't always lose in real life
1: yeah exactly so that was great
0: good story yeah
1: Yeah, that was good okay so (laughs) I have two things so one I was telling my nephew to visiting family I told him that I was recording today and he's like oh can you mention me on your podcast (laughs) and I'm like sure but but why (laughs) and he's like I just want to be internet famous oh how old is he he's like I think he's about eight or nine. Oh,
0: that's so cute very so so flattering
2: cute. that he thinks we'll make him yeah. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> I'm like I want to be in internet famous too bud but I
1: haven't, <laughs> haven't mentioned yet <laughs> that's
0: so, so cute
1: this goes out to Landon
0: <laughs> yay Landon
1: <laughs> <laughs> um I was playing some NHL with him on the PS4 today it was fun
0: oh
1: um So that was fun. Uh, So shout out to Landon. And then my husband sent in a sleep paralysis story.
0: Ooh.
1: So he said, um, I have had episodes of sleep paralysis before. The most recent one that I have had made me feel like a heavy, dark presence was laying on top of my body, holding me down. With all my effort, I couldn't move at all. After a while, I felt like I was awake and did my best to start by moving my fingers, and as soon as they started moving, my whole body was freed up and I could move again.
0: Did you know about that, Jess?
1: He had like, he's only had like a couple instances and it was before we met. So, he's never had any since, and if he has, he hasn't told me. And If he has, he probably hasn't told me because he knew, he knows that it would Scare the hell out of you. Freak you out! <laughs> yeah. yeah, so yeah. just super fun. Yeah, <laughs> so I'm just real glad that he has not had any since.
2: Yeah, for sure.
1: But yeah, so super duper fun, <laughs> <laughs> and it leads into my wonderful story. <laughs> yeah, let's hear about your mansion. I'm excited. So- I used the Lemp Mansion website for the history. I had emailed them and they never emailed me back. I was just oh. asking for like sp- spooky stories and stuff. But... <laughs> oh, well, I understand they're busy. <laughs> um, and then I also use Legends of America. Ooh. So moving from your very sad justice-filled story to a <laughs> kind of sad but spooky story!
0: Yay! <laughs> yeah, so now you guys can kind of understand why I was like so excited to tell you the story, and why I was like excited. I felt like such a jerk because in the beginning I was like, "I am too excited for this," <laughs> but then I was like, "And then Amy!" <laughs> and that's yeah. why I was excited.
1: <laughs> no, it's amazing, and I really loved how like that people became detectives because of it. Yeah, and, uh, yeah.
0: Like,
1: you know, the chief of police moved there, or whatever yeah. the sheriff, and pew, so. Pew. super cool so all right so my story is probably not as long but here we go
2: (laughs) this mansion
1: is located in st louis or st louis for us canadians
2: (laughs) Uh, i don't know if any other canadians say it like
0: father if it's just uh i don't know it looks
1: like louis to me not louis it does
0: look like louis yes
1: and it sounds better st louis missouri other than st louis missouri but that's louis (sighs) it just sounds prettier
0: well then we also have des moines which is spelled like des Moines. so at least we do that one right
2: you guys are weird. <laughs> yeah, like that's Ugh. weird. But like, Canada has some fucking weird ones. <laughs> we,
1: uh, there's a place in dildo? Newfoundland called dildo. Yeah, dildo,
2: <laughs> dildo, yeah, dildo Newfoundland.
0: <laughs> oh, jeez.
1: Okay, so it's located yes. in St. Louis. It was turned from a majestic home for millionaires to office space, mm. then decayed into a rundown boarding house mm. before being restored to its current position as a spectacular dinner, theater, restaurant, and bed and breakfast. Oh,
2: cute.
1: Ooh. Yeah, so I think we should actually go there. I love it. Let's for do it. our first little meetup. Okay, <laughs> let's do yeah, it. okay. So when Johan or John, Adam Lemp came to St. Louis from Eschwig, Eschwig, I don't know man. It's German. E-S C H W E G E Eschwig. 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 Sure. That's beautiful. Thank you.
2: (laughs) Um, Wait, what did how do you spell it? E S
1: C H W E G E, and in parentheses, I have how it's pronounced, but it's still just like
0: we <laughs> still can't do it. It's still too much. It's like
1: Eschwig <laughs> Eschwege. That, right.
0: yeah. that sounds right.
1: Yeah, sounds right. Yeah.
0: It's in Germany, yeah, and he came there. Oh, she's looking up the pronunciation. Landgrafenschloss Eschwege. There you go, Jess. Do that. Eschwege. Chantelaga eschwege. Okay.
1: Eschwege. <laughs> <laughs> <Ash-wig. laughs> he came there in
0: 1838,
1: and he appeared to be like the thousands of other immigrants who flocked to the gateway to the West in the first part of the 19th century. He originally started out as a grocer, which seems pretty common, right? Mm-hmm. But he actually provided a product that none of his competitors had, which was light lager beer. Oh,
2: Leave back it to in the Esch- German
0: Esch- to bring beer.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: back in Eschwege, <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> Let's sp-
0: <laughs> sounds right.
1: <laughs> Let's go with it. My poor, my poor German grandfather is going to be like. <laughs> oh my goodness uh uh lemp's father had taught him the art of brewing and gave him the recipe for brewing this golden elixir lemp soon understood that the future of lager beer in america was as bright as the brew itself and he left the grocery business in 1840 which was just two years after he arrived in St. Louis. Oh, wow. So after two years after arriving in St. Louis, he opened a small brewery at 112 second, sorry, 112 South second street. Oh, okay. He began to sell the beer in a pub that was attached to the brewery, but found that it was too small to sell and produce. So of course what he did next was just obvious he found a natural cave system underneath St. Louis, Mm -hmm. which happened to be the perfect temperature for aging his beer.
0: Oh, of course, of course. This is really ingenious.
1: Oh,
2: I think I've heard of this before. Yeah. Is this on
1: a Ghost Adventures episode? I have no idea. I heard it on and that's why we drink originally. I think I didn't remember it first until I started getting to this cave system and stuff yeah that's what i like
2: recall the like the like uh the caves underneath to the and then something about like prohibition
1: yes yeah 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 yeah. so he chopped ice from the adjacent mississippi river and he put it inside the cave to keep the cave chilly which provided ideal conditions for the lagering process to run its course
2: Hmm.
0: Can you guys spell uh, Mississippi? Because I can. M I S S I didn't know if Canadians learned that little, like,
2: Mississippi. What's it? What are they doing, Matilda? Mrs. I, Mrs. <coughs> Mrs. M, Mrs. I, Mrs. S-S-S-I, Mrs. P. What is it? Guys, this is
0: beautiful.
1: But yeah, it was basically that. I think it was Mrs. I, Mrs. S, Mrs. P, I don't
2: know. Wait, anyways. now I'm going to need to freaking look that up. Matilda, Mrs. Mrs. I, Mrs. 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 M, Mrs. I, Mrs. <laughs> Yeah, anyways. Who knows? We oh, well, it's so? difficulty that they spell not Mississippi, that's why. Oh. <laughs> <laughs>
0: You guys were so close. <laughs> so close. Oh, beautiful singing,
1: though, on our behalf. I think. It was. It was gorgeous. So, okay. I'm never going to get through this story. Uh, okay.
2: So. Uh, this is difficulty right here. Yes. <laughs> Difficult. A
1: new industry was formed in St. Louis. The brewery was a huge success, and John Adam Lemp passed away as a millionaire.
0: Oh, good for him.
1: Yes. When Lemp passed away, his son, William, this is going to get so confusing because they keep naming their children after themselves. Okay.
0: Gotcha. Okay. Just call so, them like one,
2: two, and three. Uh, I might confuse myself. We'll we'll figure it out. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. like, like Another one. I don't know. Like... Yeah,
1: John John Lemp is now dead. He's deceased. Yeah. He's unalived. Um, his son William J Lemp, so Willie J, took <laughs> over for his father in the brewery. That's like, a king.
0: Rapper.
2: <laughs> That's like yo, whenever yo, we yo, call like
0: Willie J. So Mississippi.
2: Whenever we, <laughs> <laughs> whenever we called Paul... Paul when we talked about Paul Bernardo at the pen because we weren't allowed to actually talk about him. Um, we would call him Polly B. Yeah,
1: I mentioned that in the podcast with your.
2: <laughs> oh, yeah. The name trigger great. Great.
1: Yeah. Okay. 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 So Willie J took over for his father and the brewery became an industrial giant. In 1864, a new plant was built at Cherokee Street and Car- Carondelet Avenue. Okay. Yeah. And it soon grew to be about five city blocks large. Wow. In 1870, Lemp was St. Louis's largest brewery, and the Lemp family represented the city's riches and influence. Ooh. Ooh. Lemp beer dominated the St. Louis market until Prohibition, when it lost its dominance. In 1868, William Lemp's father-in-law, Jacob Fakeert, Fakeert, oh, uh,
0: sounds right. <laughs>
1: He erected a residence near That's the Lumpf Brewery. <laughs> it's like F-E-I-C-K-E-R-T.
2: Fake They care. hair. That's it. fight art. Is it German too? Fick-air. I have no idea.
1: Uh, anyways, he built a I did a not pick up
2: any German when I was in Germany. No. I just ate food.
1: He, <laughs> he built a residence near the Lump Brewery. This is important. Okay. William Lemp bought this mansion in 1876 for his family and used it as both a home and an auxiliary office. Despite the fact that the mansion was already impressive, Lemp utilized his vast beer fortune to transform it into a Victorian showplace. Hmm. In 1884, five years after radiant heat was patented, the radiator system was put into the house. Hmm. The Grand Staircase was demolished to make way for an open airlift that stretched the length of the building. And all that's left of the elevator today are the ornate iron gates in the basement restaurant. Oh, wow. Who replaces a Grand Staircase with an elevator? People that are so enraptured
0: in looking rich yeah um, except that you said a lot of people die in this so like everything you're mentioning i'm like you could die that way yep you could die that way <laughs> <laughs> so this
1: house was completely remodeled in 1904 the former brewery off brewery office to the left of the main entrance oh god why did i put this in here anyways um is where someone died uh, the mantel is made of Italian marble as well.
0: Ooh, pretty!
1: The parlor is to the right, with its hand-painted ceiling and elaborately carved African mahogany mantles. And the lamps kept exotic plants and birds in an atrium beyond the parlor.
0: Oh my gosh, they were mm. rich.
1: Yeah. The main bathroom is highlighted by an incredibly unique glass-enclosed freestanding shower that Lemp found in an Italian hotel and brought back to St. Louis for his own use. Wow, that sounds
2: nice.
1: (laughs) A barber chair and a wash basin with glass legs are among the room's other odd features. The Lemp's also erected three gigantic vaults at the back of the home to store large quantities of art artifacts. The Lemp's were such ardent art collectors that they couldn't possibly show off all of their finds. So each vault is 15 feet in width, 25 feet in depth, and 13 feet in height to store all of that crap. Wow. Wow. Yes. Now, on the second floor were the bedrooms, and the main bathroom had a white granite shower and a marble and cast iron mantle. On the third story, the servants' rooms featured cedar walk-in closets, a skylight, and an observation deck. Oh, wow. Which, you know what? First servants' quarters. Yeah. That sounds (laughs) very nice. It does. Yeah,
0: that's
2: true yeah like you know at the home. hotel that i work at we have like the innkeeper suite and it is set like two steps down from the main floor because back then the innkeepers like weren't allowed to live on the same floor as the main uh like owners of the house huh. so sure. instead of like being a separate story it's literally like two steps down
0: oh that's so weird that's so stupid mm. uh,
1: the Lemp's erected an auditorium, ballroom, and swimming pool in a natural oh underground cavern that could be entered from a now-sealed tunnel in the basement. Ooh. And at one point, there was a spiral staircase that went down to the auditorium from Cherokee Street. Oh. From the house to the brewery, there was another tunnel that they also used. The basement housed the wine and beer cellars, as well as the laundry and the kitchen. The historic Lemp Mansion Restaurant's massive kitchen, which previously fed the upper crest of St. Louis society, (laughs) has been extensively updated and now serves the esteemed guests that now visit the mansion today. Nice. The brewery was renamed the William J. Lemp Brewing Company in 1892. The Lemp Western Brewery was the first brewer to distribute its beer from coast to coast. And William Sr. actually helped pa- Pabst? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Anheuser and Bush get founded at the same time he was creating his own corporate empire.
0: Oh, wow. Yes. Super cool. Yeah.
1: When William Lem's daughter, Hilda, married Gustav Pabst of the renowned Milwaukee Brewing Company in 1897, two of the brewing industry's titans
0: toasted one <laughs> another. This is like back when the like countries married each other off and yes. now it's like the beer companies. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately... Even with all of this success, the family did face some turbulence and tragedy. The first major fracture in their great success was when William Lemp's favorite son and heir to the brewery died under some mysterious circumstances in 1901. However, I found on Find a Grave that he died due to heart failure due to multiple diseases. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure where the mysterious circumstances come <laughs> into play.
0: That's pretty not mysterious. <laughs> but I digress. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Allegedly still grieving over the loss of his son, three years later, William Lemp shot himself in the head in a bedroom at the family
2: mansion.
1: <gasps> oh. At this time, William J. Lemp Jr took over for his father as president of the brewing company. This part's going to sound kind of like weird as to like, why the fuck is she including this? (laughs) Okay. But it's important. He and his wife, Lillian also began to spend the family fortune at this time. So they purchased slaves, carriages, clothing, art, just whatever they could to feel rich and fancy okay lillian was a stunning woman who hailed from a well-to-do family and william j lemp the was born on september 26th 1900 to lillian and william lemp jr see they're literally all naming their children <laughs> yes. after themselves
0: i feel like that's what rich people do all the time yeah
1: yes it's wild because of her affinity for the color lavender, Lillian was quickly dubbed the lavender lady. Oh! She also had her carriage horses' harnesses dyed lavender, in addition to her lavender clothing and accessories. Oh, that sounds pretty. Yeah, and this is where I recognized the story was talking about how she was the lavender lady. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Um, Will enjoyed showing off his trophy bride, but. <laughs> But he was actually a player. <laughs> oh, he was used to behaving and acting as he liked, whatever he wanted to do. He was this rich, spoiled boy. Yeah, um, like he was born with a silver spoon in his mouth, right? Yeah,
2: yeah.
1: So William began to get tired of his wife, and he gave her a daily allowance of a thousand dollars.
0: Did you adjust it for inflation?
1: I. Thought I did, and apparently I didn't, and I'm oh, going to look no. it up right now because
0: I know this a shit ton.
1: I know I don't know what year I'm in.
2: I'd like a thousand dollars a
1: day, that right? Means. Just for like, existing. Let's do 1900 because that's when their son was born. It is about thirty-two thousand dollars.
0: Thirty-two thousand yeah. dollars a day. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So,
1: she had $32,000 a day. That's insane. And if she didn't spend that money, she was informed that she wasn't getting any more. Meanwhile, Will is occupied with operating the brewery during the day and engaging in a variety of indulgent pastimes at night. He would throw expensive parties in the caves beneath the mansion, bringing in a slew of prostitutes for his guests' entertainment. Will also allegedly spawned a child with someone other than his wife. And this boy was born with Down Syndrome. And they, Hmm. not me, they referred to him as Monkey Face Boy. (gasps) Oh, that's so
0: sad. It's horrifying. That's oh my gosh. Oh. oh.
1: And this boy was allegedly hidden away in the attic. And this was also confirmed by a former nanny and chauffeur that lived and worked at the mansion. Oh, that is it, awful. And this poor poor boy, still shows his presence at the mansion today.
0: Aww.
1: Eventually, William filed for divorce against Lillian and she actually almost lost custody of their son, William Lemp III, due to a photo of her smoking a cigarette. Oh, heaven forbid. Right. Yeah, so she almost lost custody because of that.
0: Okay, that's stupid, but sure. Yes,
1: <laughs> tragedy continued to pursue the Lemp's with a ferocious zeal. The brewery's fortunes continued to deteriorate ter- until Prohibition in 1919 forced its closure. the The workers at the Lempery actually only found out about the closure when they showed up to work and the doors were barred.
0: Oh my gosh.
1: Yeah. So, they were not told, they just kind of showed up to Ugh. do what they wanted to do and wow. Yeah. yeah. Then Elsa, William Jr.'s sister and the wealthiest heiress in St. Louis at the time, committed suicide in wow. 1920 supposedly despondent over her tumultuous marriage. Oh. On June 28th, 1922, this magnificent brewery and dynasty, which spanned 10 city blocks, was sold at auction for $588,000, like roughly that, which is over $9 million today. Whoa. But the worst part is that it sold for that $588,000, but it was valued at $7 million
0: oh wow, wow. a little
1: over 113 million today
0: wow why did it sell for so low uh i don't
1: i think it's just because of the fact that it was like to do with like um prohibition right
0: oh okay
1: yeah so because like alcohol mm-hmm. wasn't supposed to really be a thing at that point so. yeah
0: okay i gotcha
1: Despite the fact that the majority of the company's assets have been liquidated, the Lemp's maintained an almost morbid attachment to the family mansion. William J. Lemp Jr. also shot himself in the same building where his father died 18 years prior. Oh wow! After presiding over the sale of the brewery in 1943, his son William Lemp Jr. III died of a heart attack at the age of 42. After his brother's suicide, William Jr.'s brother, Charles, stayed at the residence with two servants and William's illegitimate child that lived in the attic. Gotcha. This illegitimate child died in his 30s at the mansion and was buried on the Lemp Cemetery plot with a flat marker that simply read Lemp.
2: Aww. Uh, Poor guy.
1: But at least he got buried there. Yeah, I guess. Right. I know. But I like he didn't have a name, unfortunately. Aww. Which is really sad. Charles was a bitter man and he lived in dis- he lived in seclusion until he also died of a self-inflicted gunshot wound. Oh
0: my gosh, there's a lot of suicide.
1: Yes. Okay, this part is like really tragic, okay? And I hate it, but I got to give I got to I got to get all the facts out there, okay? So, there are two different sources for what actually happened with Charles. One said that a servant found Charles, and another source stated that his brother Edwin found him. Mhm. Another sad instance to this story is alleged, I believe. Um, it was said that before killing himself. Wait till I'm done before reacting. Okay. <laughs> he said that before killing himself, he shot his dog in the basement, but the dog was found halfway up the stairs.
0: <laughs> I hate that so much.
1: Right? Right it's horrifying to ever think that somebody would do that to another creature.
0: That's awful. But anyways. (laughs) Sorry. Thanks for that. (laughs)
1: Sorry. (laughs) So, after that horrible, horrible little tidbit of information.
0: Which we will never speak of again. Okay. (laughs) Okay.
1: After At the age of 90, 90, Edwin Lemp died of natural causes in 1970. So, one of the family members died naturally, which is nice. (laughs) One of them. (laughs) (laughs) Before Edwin died, however, he instructed his butler to burn all of the Lemp art and artifacts and the family documents. Mm. To burn them? Yep. Mm. Oh, no. Yeah. Since the family line died out, it has been many things over the years. And one of those things is spooky, Ooh, spooky, icky. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was a boarding house at one point and residents reported hearing phantom footsteps and spooky knocks throughout the house. As word of these stories spread, the boarding house struggled to recruit residents, and it continued to deteriorate to the point of being a flop house. Oh. The historic home was saved in 1975 when Dick Pointer and his family bought it. They started renovating the structure right away, turning it into a restaurant and inn. Hmm. Workers at the residence frequently reported seeing apparitions, hearing weird noises, losing tools, and feeling watched. Fearful of the hauntings, many workers would flee the construction site and never return. Staff members have reported a number of weird incidents since the restaurant opened, apparitions materialize and then vanish voices and sounds appear out of nowhere and glasses frequently lift off of the bar and soar through the air on their own. Wow. Super creepy.
0: That is so creepy.
1: Yeah. I hate it. (laughs) Other times doors are alleged to lock and unlock by themselves. Lights turn on and off for no apparent reason and the piano bar frequently plays when no one is around. The stairwell, the attic, and what the staff refer to as the gates of hell in the basement are three places of the old home that are said to be haunted by many members of the Lemp family. That section of the basement was once the entrance to the caves that flowed beneath the mansion and brewery. Strange phenomena are frequently observed on the mansion's third floor where William's son was kept. The boy's face is frequently visible from the street, peering through the mansion's small windows.
2: No, 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 no
0: thanks. (laughs) Kid ghosts are the worst, like the scariest ghosts.
2: They are. So scary.
1: Ghost hunters have frequently placed toys in the center of his room and they drew a circle around the toys to see if they would move and consistently when they returned the next day the toys were all in different locations outside of the circle.
0: Ew.
1: Many ladies have reported a man peering over the stall in the basement women's bathroom which was Ew. originally William
2: <laughs> Creek. <laughs> It's creepy if they're not dead. Like, yeah. Just, <laughs> <if you're>
0: dead. <laughs> it's just creepy. Creepy ghost. Men. Alive or dead, they're still men. It was originally <laughs> William Jr.'s
1: personal domain, and it was the one that housed St. Louis's first freestanding shower. Oh. So it was this player dude that's looking at the ladies. Disgusting. Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh. On one instance, a woman returned from the bathroom and said to the two men she was with at the bar, I hope you had an eyeful. Yeah. <laughs> the, the two men, however, instantly denied ever leaving the bar, which the bartender confirmed. And this is con- fr- This is claimed to be the spirit of William Jr., the womanizer. Oh, <laughs> Guests have frequently reported hearing someone running up the stairs and kicking at the door in William Lump Sr.'s room. Um, and when William Sr. killed himself, it is said that William Jr. dashed up the stairs to his father's chamber, found it locked and began kicking in the door to reach his father. Oh! A part-time tour guide reported hearing horses outside the chamber where William Lump Sr. had maintained his office a few years earlier When the tour guide peeked through the window, however, nothing was visible. This area, which is now a parking lot north of the mansion, was previously used as a tethering lot for horses. And finally, the mansion has been featured in a number of magazine articles and newspapers and now attracts ghost hunters from around the country. Today, it features a bed and breakfast with rooms restored in period style, a restaurant featuring... Fine dining and a mystery dinner theater. Ooh. Tours, ghost tours are also available at the mansion.
2: Yeah, we have to go there.
0: Yeah, yes. that sounds really cool. Yeah, so my sister went there and she thought it was really cool. So that was yeah. fun. It's interesting too that like a whole family line died out there. Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. It's wild.
1: Ooh. Yeah. But that is my Lemp Mansion story. Loved it. That was good. <laughs> Yes. Yikes. Loved it. Love it, love it. Should we get a joke of the day? Sure. Yes. Okay. This is just the first one I found. I don't know if it's funny or not. Okay. Um. Okay. A ham sandwich walks into a bar and orders a beer. The bartender says, sorry, we
2: don't serve food here. No. Nah. You <laughs> should have ordered a... Food, then, because then it's like not serving food, food. Yeah. (laughs) So stupid. Well,
0: if you want more of us, lovely (laughs) ladies, you can find us on our website at historiesandmysteries.ca. We are also on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok, where we're doing a bunch of cool things. On TikTok, we are Histories and Mysteries Pod yeah we and uh check us please out please rate
1: and review us because that'd be great
0: mm-hmm. yes yeah. please thanks and any of me. your listening platforms subscribe rate review whatever you want to do for us we would much appreciate it yes
2: tell okay. us about the spookiest house you've ever visited that would be yeah that'd be
0: cool mm-hmm. love it all right well thanks for listening guys and we look forward to bringing you two new episodes. No. Two new stories next week. Bye. Bye. (laughs)